It's time to feel the rage. Welcome to Film Rage, where we talk movies. The doors to the cinemas are still locked, so we continue to stream. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hello, Jim. Hey, hey. So with the introductions out of the way, let's rage on. All right. Well, this week, we're streaming Open Rage, The List, Rage or Dare. Then we start begging our government to let cinemas open at the same time as restaurants. And for those of you who are only listening to us and not watching us on our YouTube channel, you will not know that I, or should I say, are not watching us on YouTube, matey. I am now winking with my eye that is covered. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a promo for our friends, the Dumb Found Dead Podcast. Wink, wink. You enjoy dark comedy, puns, and laughter? If so, come join two good brothers, John and Patrick, as we discuss some of the craziest ways people die. That's so bizarre, strange, and borderline comical, that'll leave you dumbfounded. You can follow this podcast on all major platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. And make sure to follow us on social media on Instagram at the Dumbfounded Pod and on Twitter at TDFDPod. And remember, think ahead, don't be dumbfounded. And what are we doing? We're streaming, Jim. This week, we, as per usual over these past few months, have uh, been doing a lot of streaming. We are going to start by a little movie by the name of Palmer. It is currently streaming on Apple+. Plus. We. So, Palmer. Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake. Exactly. Justin Timberlake stars in this tale of growth and tolerance. An ex-con finds himself through a series of events taking care of a young boy. The understated performance by Timberlake as Palmer, combined with the chemistry with his young co-star Ryder Allen as Sam, drive this story. The scenes between these two have an authenticity from the first time they are introduced. You can see how Palmer, who at first holds Sam at arm's length, eventually lets him all the way in. This film surprised me as I felt many times that Palmer may react in a certain way, but the story never went down that road. Palmer is loyal, and once he lets Sam into his life, he was going to have his back no matter what the consequences. The supporting cast was solid as well, with Juno Temple as Sam's mom, and the always great June Squibb as Palmer's grandmother, Vivian. The one part of this story that I could not that I could have done without was the romantic relationship between Sam's teacher, Miss Maggie, and Palmer. I felt that this storyline should have been left out as I felt it distracted from the overall tone of the film. Miss Maggie was an important character in this. 
but getting involved with Palmer on an intimate level was unnecessary. Still lots of great performances, stellar direction from Fisher Stevens, and a positive message of tolerance make this film worth seeing. The silly side story between Palmer and Miss Maggie make the overall impression meh. Oh, okay then. Well, we have some similar themes, but I'm going to disagree with you a bit. Uh, so I am a pretty big fan of June Squibb, as you've so rightfully mentioned. She's great. Also, JT. I'm a pretty big fan of JT, actually, too. I don't normally see... Like, he doesn't normally do a bad job of acting. I just knew he was an alpha dog... I think he uh, had a dick in the box, and he, I think he sings or something. He does do some singing, yeah. I not think a lot he, in movies. Wasn't he in the uh, social network? I think he was in that, too. He's I, been in a bunch of stuff. I don't know, I don't know who this guy is. He's, a, he's an actor and a singer. He's everything, let's face it. He's a renaissance uh, man. Yeah. Uh, the soundtrack was awesome, by the way. Vampire Weekend in the soundtrack? Mm. I'm like, look. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Vampire Weekend. Uh, so, uh, uh, small towns in the South. Gotta love them. Sexists, racists, judgy church people. Yep, you know, friendly folk. It's great. Love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, this is how a sports movie should play out. They have one football game, and Palmer, who is a football player, but moves on with his life, maybe not the way that he was expecting, goes to prison first, but doesn't dwell on football the whole movie. Okay, so maybe it wasn't a sports movie. But this is how much sports I want to see in a movie if it's got anything to do with sports. I just had to put that out there. I don't know what that has Uh, to do with the price of tea in China, but you go ahead. Well, it, it has to show you that not everybody can't get over their life as a sports person. But, you know, he went to prison and probably had to pick up some soap because he's pretty cute. I can't remember a movie where I have cried as much as I have in this film. It's heartwarming, redemptive, and sad and joyful. It is predictable, yes. But then I don't mind because guess what? I am so dialed into these great characters that were developed. JT does a great job, as does the CLF writer Alan as Sam. Uh, gets a character-driven Apple Plus original Mondo. My favorite line, your breath smells kind of funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that line. Uh, uh, this... I think there is a couple of things we should unpack. All Obviously, right, go ahead. brought it up with, yep. with the love interest. Stupid. So let's, uh, yeah, see. You take that out, I, this is Mondo. Yeah, see, I, it didn't bother me so you much. You put it in. This uh, is eh, just, it annoyed me so much that I'm like, wow, if that wasn't in this, boy, I'd be enjoying this so much more. I was loving but, this, loving this movie all the way up until that point. And then yeah, from that point, I just wrecked the rest of the movie. Uh, I. There's a lot I of good. I can kind of get it. Yeah, I can, I can kind of get it uh, because there was parts, I don't think necessarily the sex scenes in the movie were needed. <laughs> No kidding. But, but I but I don't I personally didn't mind the fact that JT's character got something good happened to him. Like to me it was like, here's your reward. You know, if he's if he's gonna have a relationship, it might as well be with an awesome person who, you know, they they 
she was a great character. The thing, and the thing is, I, no I, reason why. Yeah, I got no problem with their introducing, and I got no problem of there being an attraction between them because obviously they're they're a couple of good looking people. Mm-hmm. But in the context of this film, we didn't, we needed not to go down that avenue. You can touch upon, yes, there's some sexual tension here, but to go all the way like they did with it just completely took away from what the movie was trying to accomplish in my opinion. Well, that's too bad. Cause I, I, I kind of see where your point is, but I'm going to tactfully. No, that's not my style. Untactfully disagree with you. It didn't, t- it didn't bother me enough that I made it after me. Yeah. To- uh, it totally is, met okay, it up. Totally made it up. Okay. So how, do you know how old June Squibb is by the way? Uh, I don't. I would guess that she's in her 70s. Yeah, she's 92 this year. Holy crap. 90 freaking two. She's awesome. And she she is awesome. Yes. I'm just like, what? Yeah. No, I you got no arguments there. I can't say one bad thing about June Squibb. And she, as usual, was. I just wish that she you know, would have lasted a little longer because I was enjoying her so much. Um, that that uh, that scene where they're they're at the at the they're at the table there where where you know uh, young Sam is telling uh, telling Veronica you know Grandma to uh, you know uh, apologize uh, for a accusation that she made. Um, yeah, little little kid, you know, way beyond his years there, and just yeah. such an enjoyable scene. Um, and there, were, you know, every time she was on the screen and those three interacting with each other, I mean, it was gold. I yeah. just just wish that it didn't get tanked by a silly side love story. Eh, didn't bother me. Uh, but okay, here here is something. As we're watching the movie, yes. And you know when when Sam's mom goes missing, and so what happens? They they try and call the mom like probably five times. No one leaves her a message. Like that was the that was the part that I'm kind of like, okay, could someone maybe leave her a message? Mm. Like they just call and then the message her answering machine comes on. And then they just hang up. I was like, what? That's what Should I somebody do. somebody leave her a message? I can't. I don't <laughs> yeah, leave messages. As soon as the answering machine <laughs> yeah, comes but, on, I just go click. It's like, no. Yeah, you're not, but you're, you're, you're obvious, not taking in this care day and of age, your child. You're, you're, seeing, you're seeing my number. You obviously don't want to talk to me, so I ain't leaving you a message. Right. And uh, you're not having to be taking care of a eight-year-old boy or uh, Whatever. Uh, how about, bitch, get back and pick up your kid because you're neglecting him. Eh, obviously, they knew that, you know, the life they were giving him at the time was probably better than her coming back. So they're like, yeah, let's not leave a message. We'll just take yep, care they, of the kid. Yet they still kept calling her. <laughs> it's his mom. You got to give her a chance. Give her a chance by not leaving her a message. Okay. Why would you leave her a That's message? I wouldn't leave her a message. I'd call. She's not going to pick up. She obviously doesn't care. Cool. I'll take care of your kid. Maybe she's maybe leave her a message. I or love the I love this kid. I'll take care of him. No problem. Yeah, they could have left that as a message. I'm not leaving. <laughs> no, I'm not leaving her a message. Screw her. She doesn't want well, apparently, she doesn't want to pick up the phone and she obviously doesn't care about her kid enough, then screw her. Well, I think it was obvious she didn't care about her kid enough, that's for sure. I think she cared about her kid a lot, but she just had a lot of problems, and sometimes those problems overshadow the love that you feel for your, your, uh, your child, and it's it's sad, and it happens. <laughs> it certainly does. <laughs> Anyways, now you're bumming me out. Let's move on. I love it. Let's get bummed. But then there's love. It makes you happy. 
Okay, so we also saw The Rental Ooh. on Prime Prime Video. Pre-made. Two couples rent a vacation home for what should be a celebratory weekend getaway. And again, I am winking with my patched eye. Uh, director David Franco? What? what? Written, written by David Franco? What? And Joe Swanberg? Wow. Plus... Plus three more writing credits. Hmm. So let's do the counts. There's five. Uh, stars Dan Stevens, Allison Brie, and Sheila Van. So, the rental. Some convenient things happen in this movie, for sure. Uh, like the dog, for example, just happens to be outside all the time makes no sense especially for someone who's completely protective of the dog just have to throw it out there very very slow bill in the story that has been told so many times before very cabin in the woodsy-esque uh at 33 minutes in nothing has really happened at all no suspense whatsoever that was the part i enjoyed yeah i know it would have been uh as we have talked before i love allison brie so it was worth waiting if stuff was going to eventually happen. Interesting she did not appear nude in this one. Huh. Seems to be on a, a kick of being nude in her movies, so I wonder why she stopped for this one. But, you know. Uh, do they find a camera in the shower and then they can't come up with a better idea why they shouldn't stay another night? They can't, you know, like, oh, how about I've got terrible stomach pains or... I need to be rushed to the hospital because I've got food poisoning or how about any reason to leave the house? So think of the line from the Amity Verhoor. When the hell the house tells you to get out, get out of the motherfucking house. I get it. They cheated on their parent partners, uh, but really Jorge, really? So the pervert, pervert racist gets killed also basically for like two minutes. He hasn't been dead for that long. So what do they do? They come back in and they touch his neck. They, they're, they're apparently medically gifted enough to be able to tell someone's dead by touching their neck, but not one of them knows how to do CPR. I'm kind of like, what? He was dead for no more than two minutes. I don't know that he was a pervert racist. I'm still undecided on that. He was 100% racist. Uh, mm. The pervert part is maybe debatable. But he's 100% racist. That was completely chill. Everything after the death just started annoying me. Did the foreshadowing of the locked room in the basement not make you think you should check there first before you move the dead body? Or the shower goes on randomly and Allison Bree's character just looks around? Uh, Amityville Horror people, get the fuck out of the house. She sees the video upstairs that magically played by itself and she doesn't get suspicious about why it played or who played it. Uh, so... She's mad at her husband, but really? Uh, oh, wait. She sees, or she finally sees things when she gets the spikes on the road. Oh, right. That's the time you should be suspicious. Absolutely. Didn't think about it at all. For the most part, this film annoyed me pretty much from start to finish. Not a fan of slashers, as we know, at the best of times. It does get bonus points for the kill. For the kill shots, it was 100% a slasher. For the kill shots, though, when they finally came, they were satisfying. The kill shots were pretty good. 
I was annoyed by most of it, but not all of it. It wasn't really that original, and I didn't love it. But because it scared my wife enough for her to hide her eyes for most of the end of the movie, it gets a low, low meh just for that reason alone. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, I actually thought this was mm, solid first effort from Dave Franco as a director. Uh, the tension that exists between the characters within is presented early on and effectively sets the stage for the rest of the movie. It's definitely well acted. Atmospherically, it was solid. It is sort of like two movies in one with the first half a character study of two couples that have made mistakes in the past and are about to have those manifest again. Um, but then bad decisions are made, compounded by more bad decisions, and eventually this causes the film to morph into a bit of a horror movie. Um, everything is reasonably effective. I'm sure that Dave Franco will make a, some very good films in the future. This, you know, really wasn't a good film. It was an okay film. <laughs> uh, it was meh. So what level of meh was it? High, medium, or low? <laughs> it was just meh. It, it was yeah. mid-meh. It was... <laughs> I don't feel mid math. It was mid math. It was it was. The... <laughs> okay, so we're a little on the same page. This is a hundred percent. This is a yeah triple bang it. Uh, this is a hundred percent a slasher movie. It just the slasher didn't happen until the end of the movie because yeah. they even set it up for a sequel. It was a drama. Last... It was a relationship very... drama. Uh, it was killing me almost as it much. Was, as the it was a relationship was. drama with a little bit of you know killing at the end <laughs> that was literally the best part of the movie was yeah. the last 15 minutes yeah, actually the last five minutes was the best there's a lot going on i don't know so people could watch it fast it was, forward it was, to it it was to like the end, two movies in then, one it's like you got a twofer but yeah. they're both It was like a double feature but it took place in 90 minutes like medium meh. There you go. It's, it's totally medium meh. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about something else. Let's dig. Yeah. Let's dig, Doug. Yes, let's definitely dig. So we watched dig. Uh, The Dig, which is currently available on something named Netflix. This. Never heard of it. Yes, you have. This is a story. <laughs> Of the Sutton Who find of 1939, which took place on Edith Pretty's property in Suffolk, England. Amateur archaeologist Basil Brown is hired to excavate some huge mounds on Pretty's property and discovers an 88-foot ship dating back to the Anglo-Saxon period. Then within what? the ship, yeah, I know, crazy, right? Then within the ship, there was a burial chamber filled with many other goodies. All these discoveries can be seen to this day at the British Museum. This film is the story of the dig, the politics that surrounded the dig, the competition to gain control of the dig, lots of dig, and its contents, as well as some of the relationships of the people that were involved. Carrie Mulligan was, as usual, very good as Edith Pretty, and every time I see Ray Fiennes in a film, I appreciate him more and more. His performance as Basil Brown has a quiet elegance that only an actor of his ability could convey. Watching Ray Fiennes do what Ray Fiennes does in a story that is compelling and beautifully presented makes this film mondo. Well now, 
There you go. I well, love, I love this movie, and I I just I, thought, I love I Ray Fiennes. Would. Yeah, well, I love Ray Fiennes too, but I didn't love this movie. But I'll tell you who did love it. My wife also loved it. So you were in her and both good company. Uh, in fact, she doesn't say very often that, wow, that was a really good movie, that she really liked it. But see, for me, I fell asleep four times trying to watch this movie. What? So that kind of goes to show you that. <laughs> Literally, I kept trying to watch, start watching it at 1030 at night. You are so I uncultured. Asleep every time. Yeah, that's it for sure. Uh, this was, for me, was an easy breezy story. Acting is great from everybody in it. Story slowly trudges forward, sprinkling love interests, love interests, and digging, then some joyful eating, then some more digging, then exciting finds under the ground, then even more digging, then planes crash, then there's more digging. Lots of digging. So the movie, the movie has some digging. Yeah, it was digging and I was digging it. Uh, what was the name of this movie again? It was called The Dig. Huh, okay. That kind of makes sense. I, I kind of figured it was something like that after I was watching it for the fourth time. Uh, there was nothing annoying in this film. It has layers and layers and layers of characters, and the development of them was pretty much done pretty well. I felt it was a nice, easy-flowing film with something for everybody who likes watching digging or yeah, who doesn't digging up stuff yeah. as well as digging up feelings and digging up the past. You've, you've just described everybody. Yeah. No, no it's, I'm describing everybody but me perhaps. Oh, nothing okay. annoyed me, but nothing also made me really love it. Now, Ralph Fiennes was stellar. And if he's not already, this film proves that he is mesmerizing. Mm. And I'm pretty sure he's not on our mesmerizing list. But guess who might be showing up later in the podcast? The film was pretty good, but it was just a mother digging math for me. Hmm. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> if I can't stay awake three times to see I, a movie, there's something wrong with the movie. That's surprising because I, I watched this after a hard day at work. Um, I was actually pretty sleepy and uh, put it on and I perked right up because this movie was fantastic. I enjoyed every second. I love the, all the, the you love digging. I love digging. Um, you know, as per usual, some of the relationship <laughs> stuff I could have done without, but uh, it, uh, it wasn't uh, ridiculous like some other film that we did today. Yeah. See, I found it's funny because the love interest in this one actually annoyed me. So it's so funny how that was different for you. That's yeah. so so reversal of fortune. Yep. Speaking of reversal of fortune. Uh, okay, so uh, this is something I just want to unpack. All right. Did we really need that many characters? Like, there was just so many characters. <laughs> I'm like, why? Is this like, is this like a Downton Abbey type spinoff uh, movie? Like, I, there was too I many was, characters. There wasn't too many. to develop them there, all. There, was, there a, was. There was a lot of characters that you, you needed most of them, and the fact that some I mean, of them, yeah, most of them. I could argue there was probably four that we could have got rid of. Yeah, maybe two, <laughs> maybe two. Yeah, exactly. There was at least two, minimum two, maximum four. 
I was just so a- I just had to bring that up. There was too many characters for a dig movie, and not once did anybody say the word Doug, which mm, kind of annoyed me because I'm like, if you're gonna say dig, you should also say Doug. But they did say a lot at the digging, so. Just watching Ray Fines, Ray Fines as uh, as Basil Brown. Oof, good stuff, man. Yeah, that, he's great. That is Mondo in a movie that's in a movie that's meant. Nah, nah, nah. nah. It's good. All right. Well, I'm more excited to talk about this one, and I don't know how you feel about it. I guess we're gonna find but, out. Yeah, we we got to see, thanks to your recommendation. This was which my is not rec- always great. Yes, it was. <laughs> My recommendation is always friend. great, but it's our friend, yes. It was originally Tell called me. The Friend, but it is now, they changed it to Our Friend, which I our don't know. Friend, which I don't I, know why they did that. I kind of like it as Our Friend. I, I think, think, think they could, they should have kept The Friend when it did the festival circus, circuit, it was circus. When it did the festival <laughs> circuit, <laughs> it, they called it The Friend. Uh, but yeah, now they should have just called it Friend. How about just Friend? Yeah, Friend. Okay, let's get rid. What, what do we need? R or the friend? Yeah, get to the, get to the point, man. Superfluous words that mean nothing. Yes. So, right. Our friend. <clears throat> yeah, our friend. After receiving life-altering news, a couple finds unexpected support for their best friend, who puts his own life on hold and moves into their family home, bringing an impact much greater and more profound than anyone could have imagined. Director Gabriella Halperthwaite? Is that how it's pronounced? Halperthwaite? Halperthwaite? Or is it Cowperthwaite? I'd say it's Cowperthwaite. Cowperthwaite. And written by Brad Inglesby? There you go. Inglesby. Inglesby. And uh, based on Matthew Teague's article, The Friend. Yep. Okay, so do you see how many writers were in this? I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. There was one. There was. Based on a second one. Yeah. It stars Jason Siegel, uh, Isabella Kai, uh, Violet McGraw, and who else? Isn't that funny? IMDb doesn't even mention. But... Motherfucking Casey Affleck. Yes. The best actor in the Affleck family. Uh, there, that's arguable. Let's move. They're both Let's so good. On. I don't know that we need to. Yeah. I think it, I think everybody knows. I think everybody knows Casey's better. Soundtrack was outstanding, mixing classic and modern music into this film. This is a bit of a weird plot and not your typical rom-com drama dying of cancer type movie. Not sure how many people would give up their lives for their friends. Jason Siegel does an outstanding, amazing job in this heavy, dramatic role. Yet again, another known comedic actor who is normally not all that funny, but he gives great drama. Not even halfway into this movie, I already felt more for these characters than I do in most films by the time they get to the end of this. Gabriella Calperthwaite does a great job of weaving the story and character development into a fantastic, caring, unconditional love story to be remembered for years to come. Cherry Jones was a pleasant surprise as Faith. What a great name for a character, so full of faith. I freaking love her in everything. 
I love the concept that one person can make a difference. Like when Jason Siegel's character was super depressed and he was going off to kill himself. And Game of Thrones warrior babe saves his life by calling of him to come for a walk. Or that calling someone stinky butt can prove their love. I love the quick one-two shots that Gabriella does. Like the shot in the car with Casey and his oldest daughter. Or the scene where you find out about uh, Dakota Johnson's friends giving up on her. Mm. It was a sweet character-driven story of unconditional love from one friend to his two best friends. I loved it. And it was motherfucking Mondo. And I got some things to unpack, but we'll talk about that after. All right. Well, sir, our friend. Uh, This is a film that paints paints an accurate picture of what it's like to live with someone dying from cancer. From the caregiver fatigue to the guilt of taking some time for yourself, even though you really need to get away. Uh, The friends that surround at the, the initial diagnosis slowly disappear as the sickness gets worse. The heartbreak of seeing your loved one becoming a shell of themselves. This film explores all the darkness that is dealing with cancer. Yet, it also shines a light on what true friendship is. The true friend in this case is Dane, played by Jason Siegel. He is flawed in many ways, but the one thing he has above all else is heart. Casey Affleck stars as Matt and Dakota Johnson in her best performance to date, stars as the dying Nicole. The film timeline jumps around, and while I'm not sure that was necessary, I will forgive the writer, as apparently the essay this is based on does the same thing. Throughout the film, we explore events that have taken place over the last 13 years or so that bring us to our inevitable destination. All the flaws of every character are clearly presented, which give us a more intimate involvement in the story. The three leads in this really have chemistry. This combined with a realistic story that does not shy away from the dark side of this disease, give this a heartbreaking yet hopeful Mondo. Sweet. You know, this is going to depress me now. Mm. Because we're going into the next segment and I am on a high. But let's unpack a few things here. Okay, so seeing as how you're a super selfish person, do you think you would ever do anything of what Jason Siegel did? Could you see putting your life on hold? And I'm not just saying for me or your better half or for maybe your mom or your dad. Would you ever do that? Would you ever... I mean... Granted, you're a different person than Jason Siegel's character. Jason Siegel's character didn't have he had, like a job that was yeah, a career, that's, right? That's the one but, thing that we can't overshadow. I mean, really, he had nothing going on. What was he really leaving? Having said yeah. that, he still, you know, put everything he had into this. So, yeah, I mean, he gave up his girlfriend. So, can you can you imagine with all the people that have affected your life? Mm-hmm. Do you think you could do? Do you think you'd have the strength to do that? That's it's a big. It's a big thing. I, I, that's one of those questions that I could answer, but unless I'm in the situation, I can't really answer it. Um, having said that, well, I would, I would, love, I would, right? I would imagine that I would. Um, but I but don't, I don't know that for, if, I don't know life. that for a fact. I mean, think of the people where you're at in your life. You're probably maybe even a little older than what they might have been when this yep. started. Can you think of a friend that you would do that for? Uh, like family members are different. Yeah, like, family members are different. Family members are different. Like I think of uh, the crash reel. Right. Right. 
and his brother did that for him too. If there was his life, see, it's all it's all weird because it's there, there's got to be a need there, and this was a unique situation. So, if there was that need, and I was in that situation, and I truly felt I could help, yeah, probably. Cool. Would you know who it would be for? Like, yeah. is there someone in your life that's had no impact? Uh, just for me, I, for me, I don't think it, I don't think it would matter. If I if I felt I could make a difference, I'd be all in. Unless you know, yeah. unless it was going to cause me like ruin, I was going to, you know. But I could take a year off or whatever, and I could help someone out. That wouldn't be a problem. Very cool. I think I could do. I yeah. think for the. I, could, I don't think I could do it for just anybody. It would have to be someone that had such a positive impact on my life. I mean, I wouldn't do it for some jerk down the street, but, you know. <laughs> hey, Rush, what are you doing this afternoon? <laughs> I, uh, uh, my wife has cancer. Do you want to hang out for a couple of years? <laughs> yeah, all right. Whatever. Just, uh, <laughs> sure, man. You're just cool. Let, just, let me, cool. Uh, just let me let work know, and, uh, yeah, I'll be right over. <laughs> I'm taking my sabbatical now for two years, and then I'll be back. Yeah, if you're well, lucky. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there'd be at least a few people in my life I would do it for, and uh, I, I think he's a saint, Jason Siegel. Yeah, I, do more he, dra- do more dramatic roles. Yeah, I wish he was. I actually wish he was in uh, uh, more movies lately. He's doing some TV series, which apparently is like critically acclaimed. I can't even remember what it's called. It's a TV series, series. So uh, I don't even know what it's on. But apparently, he's like, you know, producer, writer actor he's like doing something it all. So something he's, something he's a talented dude um there's no question he's, he's, he's always shown that um you've seen flashes of yeah. that throughout his career so um i'm glad yeah, that like he, he i'm glad that he was in this to really showcase the fact that he's uh he's a he really is a he's a special actor uh dispatches from elsewhere he's doing something there like you go. that yeah i think that that's it and i think he i think he like he's got his fingers and everything there i think he writes it i think he he, he maybe he doesn't direct it i don't know i think he writes it well and didn't he didn't he direct the muppets when he did the muppets back well, he's, he's the one that got it rebooted he may have directed it but i i, I um yeah but, how did uh, he, but he was how like did he... i think he i think he wrote that as well i think like he was this was like a passion project for him you're right. He did write it. Yeah. That's you nailed it. There you go. I'm not Look just at your brain. I'm, I'm not just a pretty Sometimes face. Your brain. Sometimes I mean, your brain is just I am a so pretty working. face, but I'm not just a pretty face. Hmm. Uh I would make you pick up the soap in the shower, that's for sure, if we were in prison together. And I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know what time it is? Oh, I do know what time it is. It's time. Damn it. It's hammer time. <laughs> Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. Make us crazy. Yeah. And inclusive of that, apparently, is our fucking government. And so my rage today is backhandedly at my government, but 100% selfish in the fact that 
I do not feel, and we've talked about this before, I don't feel safe going to my Safeway because the amount of idiots that are walking around there bumping into people and not even knowing where the hell they're going. But we can open up fucking restaurants. So restaurants are officially opening where you can go and dine in them. Now, they may be lower, lower capacity, but you cannot tell me a restaurant that has a nine-foot ceiling is going to be safer than a movie theater that has like, I don't know, 50-foot ceiling. So there's tons of airspace, A, and B, we've already been there where we are social distancing and, and we could see this. This It makes no sense to me. I'm so angry that this is going to be in stage four, that we're not going to get to see theaters. And if, if our freaking theaters slash cinemas go bankrupt while these stupid fucking governments are making stupid decisions that, oh, let's send everybody to the restaurants because they're way more important. Guess what? There's probably... 100 to 1 number of restaurants to theaters. I'm guessing 100. What do you think? Maybe 1,000? 1,000 restaurants for every one theater? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many restaurants yeah, we have in our city, but there's, close. there sure is a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, in my my neighborhood alone, there's probably 20 yeah, restaurants. That, that's 20 to zero. Yeah, 20, because there's no cinemas in my neighborhood. Exactly. I mean, if we can, there's probably, what, maybe 12, 13 cinemas we have? In the city? Uh, Maybe 20. Maybe 20. Uh, Right? Just maybe. There can't be 20. Well, you count it out while I rage. I'm sure it's it's somewhere around 20. You go ahead and rage and I'll get you you a number there. Yeah. So I think it's 20. But there's, there's no reason why with social distancing and proper management, which I've never felt safer than when we were in our independent movie theaters because the spacing was done so well. And everybody's wearing a mask, watching the movies. And we are going to miss some of the best movies. I mean, I'm not sure if um, uh, the new reboot of Super Friends is going to be as great as everybody's hoping it is. But I'm sure it's going to be better than the original. Zack Snyder is hopefully going to give us some darkness. But that's a movie that we're not going to see in theaters, which is the only place you should probably see it is in theaters or at Bryce's house. It, and even then, I won't be able to. <laughs> like, what the hell? I'm just so angry. I'm so tired of this disease. And then government's doing stupid things. That's that's my rage this week. I want to go back to the cinemas, and I'm and there's too many movies coming out that I'm gonna have to see it on my 60 inch TV, and I'm not happy about it. I think there's only like 12 cinemas in the whole place. I think there might be less because I think I counted the plaza. Oh, wow. Uh, anyways, there's not a lot. Yeah, that's even more depressing. Mm-hmm. It is. It is indeed. All right, sir. Well, from What's there, on your mind? What is on my mind? All right. Unnecessary romantic subplots have to stop. The latest example of this was the silly side story romance between Miss Maggie and Palmer in the movie Palmer. At their least offensive, these subplots are a mild distraction. And at their most offensive, they can completely wreck a movie. 
I do not understand why there is a notion out there that almost every story needs a romance in it. They do not. If your movie is not a romance, then do not force a romantic subplot into your movie. I don't want to see it. I just don't want to see it at all. If it were not for that irritating relationship sidebar between Miss Maggie and Palmer, that movie could have been Mondo. Thor had Thor and Jane getting together. The Avengers Age of Ultron had Bruce Banner and Black Widow exploring their feelings for each other. What the hell is that? The Hobbit had a strange elf love triangle with two characters that weren't even in the freaking book. And don't forget the inexplicable relationship between Uhura and Scotty in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. These are just a few of the offenders that had annoying romantic subplots, and that is just the ones off the top of my head. Stop it, filmmakers. It is unnecessary, and it just takes away from the story you are trying to tell. That's my rage, Jim. Well, I disagree with some of it, because... O'Hur and Scotty was one of my favorite love interests of all movies of all time. Stupid. The fact that Scotty finally got to hook up with anybody, let alone the hottest person that's ever walked into the Star Trek universe, is is like was the joyous moment I've had in any Star Trek war or battle sequence ever. Star Trek, thank you for giving me O'Hur and Scotty. <laughs> that's what I want to say about that. And. Meh, I'm not gonna. I, I I disagree with you on Palmer. So there we go. And yet, I thought it kind of ruined it for the dig. So it's funny you didn't bring that up. Because <laughs> it didn't. Because it did. Having said I that, love... could you could leave it out there too, and I'd be just fine with that. Hey, there you go. See, so you're proving your point. If your movie sometimes isn't a romance, get rid of the romance. It does, it's not needed. I don't know why Hollywood seems to think that it's that this has to be done. I mean, literally, there's nothing like there's nothing that's even close to that in The Hobbit. But Hollywood gets a hold of it, and I, I don't even like Peter Jackson. Does he not have any control over? It? Like, I don't understand how this got in there. Like, it just made absolutely no sense. Maybe he's a romantic at heart. Who knows? Peter Jackson's a lovable guy. He's like a he's like a little cute bear that you can hug and um, stick in your pocket and you know watch a love story with. Peter Jackson. Yeah. That's, he's a bear. We yeah, love him. He's he's a lovable bear. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, Peter Jackson. Well Rage subsiding. Pulse slowing. Finger fading. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm only going to throw some mesmerizing stuff this week because I've dropped a few bombs already in in this week's episode. So the first person I'm going to bring forward shouldn't be surprised because we've talked about him already, and that's Ralph Fiennes. He likes to be called I, Rafe. Oh, Rafe. Okay, Rafe. Rafe. Ray Fiennes. I don't know. I've got an uncle. He spells his name the same way. His name's Ralph. My father-in-law is named Ralph, and it's spelled the same, too. But whatever. You can call yourself whatever you want, as long as you True act enough. as mesmerizing as Ray Fiennes. Yes, indeed. I'm I, assuming that's a yes. That's that, not even really a... That's a that is I didn't a, need to ask you that. That is a slam dunk. <laughs> it's a yes. Okay, so I think you're going to also agree with me on this one. 
Go ahead. And I'm going to put June script forward. Yeah, done. Yeah, I mean, when was the last time you've seen her in a movie where you didn't think to yourself, does it really matter if anyone else is in this movie? She's so good. Right? Right? Yes. I mean, I mean, uh, here you have, um, crap, what was it called? Was it Kansas? The one that, um, God, what the heck? Arkansas. Um, Arkansas. No, not Arkansas. Oh, no. But, um, Kansas? No. What was the one? Oh, but she she wasn't in Arkansas. Uh, no, she was in, um, oh, man. It was with, um, oh, wait, I'm going to look it up. But yeah, I mean, she's Nebraska. There's the one I'm thinking. Nebraska. I knew it was a a place. Arkansas, Nebraska. Whatever. I knew it was a place. Yes, Nebraska. She was like, you know, there's there's amazing. Like Will Forte did a great job in there. Bruce Dern was fantastic in there. Yeah. And Bruce Dern's great in everything. Yeah. But you know, she stole the show. She really did. It doesn't matter what she's in. True that. Yeah. Uh, And she's 92 years old. Yes. You told me that. She and has, I was like, what? Well, she'll be 92 in November. But yeah. she's got three other movies coming out this year. Like, <laughs> That's fantastic. I know, right? I can't believe it. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you one more. One more. What yeah. do you got for me? Make it good. I'm, I'm going to give you Christian Bale. As? As mesmerizing. Christian Bale is mesmerizing. So what yep. piece of crap has he been in lately that he couldn't be undoubted? Uh, I don't know. Let's find out. I'm pretty sure he was in something crappy. Otherwise, he would have he would have been put forward as the other. Yes. I'm trying to think what it could have been though, because I seem to enjoy basically everything he's been in. Yeah. Uh, for okay, so let's go. Let's back it up. All right. So he's in Ford versus Ferrari, which was Mondo. Mondo. He did Vice, which was Mondo. Mondo. He did Mowgli, but that was just her voice. Doesn't count. Yes. Uh, he was in uh, Hostiles. Mondo. Which was a man for me. It was a man for me. Mondo. And then he was in The Promise. Promise. What was the promise? Uh, the promise was set during the last days of the Ottoman Empire. The promise follows a love triangle between right. Michael, a brilliant medical student. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, was, first, firstly, that was a map for me too. Was, so see, that was that was a map for me, but another one was Mondo. That, that's actually a that's actually a double map for me. So, but let's I keep guess. going back just to. Uh, the big short, short was a Mondo. Mondo. Yeah, King of Cups. Knight of Cups, uh, which close. I did not see. Knight of Cups, I, I did didn't... see, and it was Knight of Cups. Meh. Meh. Okay. And then you've probably seen this one. It was also a mess for me. It was Exodus, Gods and Kings. Yeah, that was actually meh too. So that gets me into back-to-back so meh territory. So we both. So we both. We both. He didn't make it either one. But then you go to American Hustle, uh, which I I don't actually love that movie. It was, that would have been a map for me. Mondo! Um, out of the Furnace. I know I've seen it, but I don't remember it. 
Wow. Yeah, I actually like that one. I liked it way better than American Hustle. That would have been a Mondo for me. Oh, yeah. Now that I'm looking at the... Yeah, Mondo. Yeah. Yeah, so he's... He's he's mesmerizing, but he's not... Uh, he's, he's so not, close uh, to Mondo. Yeah. In fact, he's probably... He, he he's, got, He's probably got a better Mondo percentage than some of the guys that we have in Mondo. He just happened to make a back-to-back math for the both of us, so. And both different movies. Well, no, one of them was overlapping. He could have been. Or I should say, as as some of the guys we have in Undoubted, he's probably got a better overall percentage of Mondos. Yeah, I would agree. Because I'm just looking Um, down at this, and there's a whole lot of Mondo in here. But, mm -hmm. oh well. That's why it's hard to get on the list. If Christian Bale can't get on the Undoubted list, you know that is a freaking hard list to get on. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Okay, and so that's is the he way it should be. Oh, yeah. Of is he mesmerizing? Of course okay. he's mesmerizing. Just watch The Machinist right. and tell me he's not mesmerizing. Oh, uh, yeah, that's... Oh, my God. I love that Or movie. Vice. Or, or Vice. Or Vice and yeah. say it's not mes- like he's, Or any he's other movie he's in. <laughs> yeah, let's make it. Like, you want to... Take yeah. your choice. I kind of want to see him and June Squibb in a movie together. Oh. Yeah, Wouldn't put them all great? in. <laughs> write <laughs> the script. Kinda... Let's write the script and send it off to them. Imagine them. Imagine, though, they're all on screen together. Which one will we be looking at? Uh, that's a good that question. Could be the, this, this could be a test. You know, we should start filtering our mesmerized list. We got to go back and watch some of the movies yeah. where we put... Two people that are mesmerizing in the, in same, the same movie. movie and see which we which, and then we, we, which one mesmerizes the other one out of the scene. It's a mesmerize off. Yeah, I kind of think we should do this. Let's do a mesmerize off. Let's go through the list. This is what we're doing for next week, people. We're going to go through the mesmerize list and we're going to see if there's a mesmerize off. And then we're going to take one out. There you go. So if, if they get out mesmerized, they're off the list. I don't like right, it. But then we we gotta make it. We gotta make it's it. It's gotta so be unanimous. So if like, we both co- come up with, yeah, yeah, because if we both do the same movie, no, <laughs> no, no. I thought they were best. <laughs> but then we might have to go back to if they've been in two movies together, or we have to do. We'll have to make a decision. Yes. We'll chat between now and next week, All right. and we'll come up with with a strategy of we'll have to try and figure out who's been with each other. Oh man, you're creating way more work for us, man. I love it. I mean, football season's over pretty much. So yeah, you're, one, you're one game to numbers. go. Yes. That's right. So you're going to have nothing but time. That is true. I'm going to pass the baton to you to start making lists. Mm. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's rage. Yes. Last week on Rager Dare, Jim pulled crossroads from my craptastic musical bag of oral pleasure and then spent most of the week cleaning malware from his computer. Apparently, you cannot legally buy, stream, or find that piece of garbage anywhere. So, a suitable replacement was luckily found. In the 1980s (laughs) Village People classic, Can't Stop the Music. This week, Jim and I get to choose Rage or Dare. Let's check in with Jim and see if he could or could not stop listening to the music. This is what you get, Jim, when you can't find my original choice. I think I kind of lucked out a little bit. You might have. 
in all of the trailers that I started watching of Crossroads, yeah. the trailers alone were painful to watch. I can't imagine having to watch the entire movie. All right. Well, have, you didn't have, have to. You actually By the way, it? I no, ah, uh, no, I haven't actually. This is the this. <laughs> there's about there were two movies in the bag that I haven't seen, and you already watched one of them, and I can't remember, and you did not like it. Um, this was the other one. The rest of them I had, I have seen. So there were there were two movies in the bag that I hadn't seen, and this was one of them. And I am going to be on the lookout though. Every time I'm in a value village, every time, because as soon as I find Crossroads. It's going straight to you because you're still watching this because you plucked it from the bag. So at some I point, so at some point you're watching this piece of crap because I'm gonna find it, <laughs> and you are going to watch it. Okay. At well, any I'm rate, okay with that. that's for a future episode. It will be. Keep stay tuned, people. You'll never know. I'm. It might be next week even. See, everything will stop if we find Crossroads. Everything. <laughs> everything. And I mean everything. We might just do a whole episode dedicated to Crossroads. <laughs> the Crossroads episode. The one you've been waiting for. And not the Ralph the Macchio Crossroads. The Britney Spears no. Crossroads. I almost tried to get out of it and actually just watch the Ralph Macchio Crossroads. Yes. Watch, watch, Ralph Ma yeah, watch Ralph Macchio playing a little it's blues a guitar. Yeah, That's right. Wrote a song about it. Yes. Well, here, here it goes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about can't Stop the music. Can't. Now, you're kind of seeing now why I dress as a pirate? Aren't the Richie sisters in this movie, too? Some kind of sisters. There was, there was some kind of sisters. Yeah, they're the Richie sisters. <laughs> so, Steve Gutenberg. Yes. Why does Steve Gutenberg not do Shakespeare? <laughs> or maybe, or maybe shakes the beer. Yeah. I don't know. Also, who knew he could roller skate so well? The first five minutes of the movie, it's him roller skating through New York Frisco. I couldn't tell what city it was in. Yes. I think it was New York it was because New York. there were some scenes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I was a little confused as I'm watching it be the first song in the intro because I thought they were in New York. But then they showed these three ladies walking down the street wearing San Francisco Fran shirts. Oh. together as the three of them and then he had to stop on his roller skates and correct them so they were walking down the street together and it said san francisco really? all three of them maybe they yes. were i don't think they were in san francisco no it's definitely new york because <laughs> it's the village well, that's odd well, may, well maybe it is i you know what it, it's either well they they flew to san francisco anyway it was really that confusing. sounds like a hilarious scene by the way did you did you laugh it as was, hard as I'm picturing you right now? Uh, I was yeah. So hey, um, yeah, it's coming. Because uh, Steve Gutenberg has some tremendous comedic timing. I mean, just watch okay, them. So just watch them Police Academy movies. I have the whole collection. I'm and sure you they're do. Really, they're really bad awful. <laughs> so in 1978, let's go back in time. In 1978, right. yes, Gutenberg makes and probably one of the best movies of the 1978. Boys from Brazil. Okay, that movie yeah. is outstanding. That's a good movie. Then in 1980, he makes this movie. Mm -hmm. And then after he makes this movie, he also makes another amazing film in Diner. Yeah. So he's got, he's 
literally created a rage sandwich. He's got two Mondos as the bread, and he's got can't stop that. Like his career should have been over after making this movie. The first five minutes in, I was thinking to myself, "Wow, this is the best bad movie I've ever seen." The first five minutes was awesome. Switching up the girls to say San Francisco, it was classic Steve. It was fantastic. Uh, but then I got to minute six, and boy was I wrong. Fifteen minutes into this movie, my sexuality was in severe question. So many hot people, be them gay, be them straight, all in these mixed-up roles. I couldn't figure out what was happening. I wasn't sure what I was watching. It was so confusing. So much sort of hinting that some of the people in this movie might be gay. But then they showed the half-naked indigenous village person flirting with a 40-year-old woman. And I'm like, what? What's happening here? Is he gay or is he not gay? Like, I always thought, you know, that was the greatest thing about the village people. They were loud and proud and, and gay and on the street. Now, apparently in this movie, in the 1980s, it still wasn't safe to be gay in a movie. Where they hint at it so many times, they actually they actually talk, oh, they're from the village. These people are weird. They have uh, Caitlin slash Bruce Jenner actually making fun of the fact that these people are weird. But they don't come out and say any anti-gay things. They just hint at it everywhere. And it's so badly done. So the village people wear their stereotypes in their everyday life. This is something I did not know. Who knew Philip A or Philip or Philip A wears his Indian costume in everyday life? I didn't know this. Uh, and, you know, I did love that all the villagers were brought together in this super duper group in a way that was way ahead of its time. It was like a gay Avengers uniting to save the world from not having enough disco. Almost each one of them having their own private entry song to showcase their limitless talents. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe not all of them. Mm -hmm. They kind of started to do that, and then they changed their mind. And not everybody got to sing their in own intro song. So I was a little bit confused by that, too. Huh. Other than this, I'm not sure what the plot for this movie was. Uh, so we have the village people music in conjunction with Steve Gutenberg's unlimited skills of acting and comedy. And it's basically the coming together of the village people. So was this a biopic? I'm not really sure. So let's have a quick recap. First off, I'm a big believer in UBU, but I'm not sure if dressing like a Native American all the time when you're not one is inappropriate or not, even if it's 1980. Acting was not macho, man. Songs very much do stop the music. The plot was left in the drain at the YMCA dialogue was ready for the eighties. See what I'm doing here? Yes. Caitlyn Jenner's alter ego. Bruce was not magic night. All in all, this movie was funny, bad for a while. Then it got progressively worse as this film went on and on until it was no longer funny. And by that, I mean, six minutes in the only saving grace was the 10 minute concert of the one song at the end of the film that never ended. It was the song that never ended. It kept going on 
and on and more of the characters would come out and dance to it. There was so much glitter. I felt like I was at a gay rave. It was really the best part of the movie was the last 10 minutes. Also, I'm not sure why anyone thought it'd be a good idea to put Bruce Jenner in this movie that he could potentially act. I mean, what was he, the cast lead at the time? I don't get it. Uh, like, what, what was happening here? I don't know. I not, never thought I would ever say this aloud, but I wish this musical had more music so that I did not have to hear the god-awful dialogue that was being portrayed. And the icing on this musically turd-decorated cake is that the only way I could stream this terrible 80s blunder yes. was to buy it. <laughs> so now... So now I own this in my collection forevermore. My nice. favorite line, this definitely calls for tits and tears. And my favorite scene is where Bruce Jenner almost burns his penis off. Huh. I guess a few years too early for that one, maybe. Wah, wah. Yeah. Uh, this had the gayest band on the planet, and they had to skirt around the fact that they were gay for the entire movie. Although, now I know how the group was formed. So, yeah, I'm convinced this is a biopic. There you go. Uh, you know what the best was, part of it was? It was, it was terrible. It was, it, was, it was over two hours long. <laughs> it was two hours long. I always love it because, uh, you know, when I, when I was trying to find Crossroads and Monique's going to me, why are we trying to watch this movie? I'm like, I have to watch this movie. And then so when we had to get we had to get this one. She's like, she was doing work and she comes out halfway through. She's just, why are you watching? <laughs> this is the I'm replacement like, oh, for Crossroads. Yeah. But we were both glued to the set when they actually went to the YMCA to film a video. Right. Because everybody was naked, including the, you know, the main actors and all the, everybody. It was just like a big nude fest. So it was there great. Yes. So it sounds like you really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a rage. Yes. It was not nine lives quality, but it was it was pretty close. It was pretty close. All right. Ha! <laughs> ah, that uh, now that we made me pretty happy. So what are we doing? Do you uh, want to pull from Murray, or do you want to pull from our bag of dare? Honestly, there is such a big pile of crap on my desk right now. I've got the dare bag here. I think we go dare. Let's just, do it. Just because there's gonna Let's be a, there'd be it. a lot of dead air while I look for Murray's bag if we go the other way. So. Let's yeah. uh, let's pull it out. See what happens. I know it's going to be glorious because that's all I get from this bag. No, you forget. Every time I'm involved, it's not always glorious. Mm. <laughs> it might end up being a mess. That's that could be the balance of it. All right. So, what does that say? Oh, uh, go over a little bit more. Doggy dog from 2016. Doggy dog from 2016. That Have seems, you ever seen it? Uh, I want to say maybe. I'm uh, no, I'm curious. I let's uh, let's just look this up. It has quick. Nicolas Cage, Willem Dafoe. A crew of ex-cons are hired by a Cleveland mafioso to kidnap the baby of a rival mobster. We get more baby. Yeah, I've seen this. And Nicolas Cage is in it. So it can't be bad, right? <laughs> uh, having said that, I just watched uh, Vampire's Kiss last night. Was it last night? Oh, it's about time. Is that the first time? No, I've seen it before. I had forgotten how 
absolutely glorious Nicholas. I don't even know what that accent he was doing. It was part like part uh, kind of Greenwich blue blood, part kind of valley girl. Like it was, yeah. it was bizarre. And he's a genius. That movie, I was just in awe of. I, it was, it wasn't good, but I was in. <gasps> I, I was no. I'm sorry. But I was in such awe of it that it was quite enjoyable to watch. Like, I know that I'm watching a bad movie, but I'm enjoying it so much. So I guess it's not a bad movie because... No, it's not. I I loved every minute of it, but But guess what? I have news for you. Yes. I have really good news for you. Remember how we had to go to the mesmerizing list? Yes. To see if we can get somebody off it. Well, I'm pretty sure that Willem Dafoe and Nicolas Cage are on the mesmerized list. This could be the movie that takes one of them off. All right. Throw down. This could be it. Nick Cage this versus Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Actually, I just have to double check. I'm pretty sure Willem Dafoe is on it. We know Nick Cage is on it because he got on there with George. Yeah, Willem Dafoe's. I'm positive Willem Dafoe's on it. I'm pretty sure he is too. Oh, but this is. Ex- this is. This, this is, just got a whole lot. This is dog eat dog. Yeah, it is. Because. They're definitely both mesmerizing. Yeah. Let's see who the yeah, alpha Willem dog Defoe, is. Willem Dafoe was our 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 16th person we put on the list. There you go. And and Cage is at the bottom, of, pretty close to the bottom of the list. This is a mesmerize off, people. Yes. This is awesome. This is exciting. All right, so doggy dog. It has to be unanimous. Yeah. It has to be unanimous. Yeah, no, if I, if, I pick, if I pick Cage and you pick Defoe, then they're both still on. They, they but if stayed. we both pick one of them, the other one is done. Gone. Oh, Never to I return. You're Never off the list return. forever. Unless, unless what they make unless? a new movie and they take, unless they take someone else off the list. So if they go against another Mesmerize in another movie, then no. that person comes off. It's like they took their spot. Because they can become more mesmerizing as they get older. Mm. Uh, right? We're gonna have it's to go- possible. I don't know. I don't know. I got to think about all this. You got too many scenarios running through my pea brain right now. It's true. I love it. Yes. All right. All right. Well. Whoa. This is such a mind blow, people. This is like so much fun. I hope you guys enjoy listening. Thanks to all the Ragers for listening to our show and supporting us. We can't thank you enough. We hit 3,000 lists, 3,000 followers on Twitter recently, and we want to thank all of them as well. Thanks to Extended Film Rage crew of Leonard Conlon for assistant vision and photography, Evie and Leonard Conlon Photography. And, but buddy, we miss you. We want to uh, do some more work with you, so let's, let's get together when this is over. Uh, listen to us on podcast streaming sites everywhere, and check us out at Film Rage YYC on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out our face or Facebook. Check out our website at filmrageyyc.com. We're always wanting your feedback to make us a raging glass for our listeners. So please go on social media, Apple Podcasts, our website, or Podchaser, and give us feedback. Or give us some dares. Could you bring us the next nine lives? Could you bring us the next Don't Stop the Music? Please make us rage. No matter what you do, please, please make us rage. That's it for this week. Rage on. Rage on.